definitely human. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Good morning! Good morning! It's another beautiful day in the wasteland. Woohoo! My name is David. And my name is Tom! And my name is also David. And you're listening to The, the Bunker. Bunker! Tom, Tom, I couldn't help but notice that you're interrupting me. Is there something you want to say? No. Alright, you're listening to The Bunker. Wahoo! The Bunker! The wasteland's favourite radio station! Did you want to do the intro, Tom? <laughs> oh no, I couldn't possibly... Okay, you've twisted my arm. Hello, Wastelanders! It's Monday, 20 to 6 in the morning. It's the start of a brand new super amazing week. And check your thermostat. Yes, it's hot, hot, hot. Can I hear you say pool party? (laughs) Yes, it's certainly a good day for a swim. And don't forget, the revolution starts here, listeners. Stay tuned to The Bunker, the platform for the people, the sound of the underground, the wonderful wireless waves of radio. Sit back, relax. Grab yourself a nice, cool, consumable liquid. Make a toast. To the new world! Dave, how's the traffic looking out there? Uh, <clears throat> Well, the wasteland is filled with an eerie silence this month, Tom. There are no animals, no migrating goliath bugs, no lumbering sand bears, no screaming travellers slowly sinking into black ooze, no tentacled perils or terrible lizards. Only the silence. It's as if... It's as if the nightmarish creatures that usually haunt the wasteland, have abandoned us, as if, somehow, they collectively knew of some greater horror, some as yet unknown monstrosity, and have fled like rats from a sinking ship. (laughs) Great stuff as always, Dave. 
Coming up on today's show, we've got amazing music, plus all the usual guests, Mystic Martin, gardening expert Elder Trembetska, teenage news reporter Emma Sterling, the archaeologist, and somebody completely new! <clears throat> uh, Tom, are you forgetting something? No, I don't think so. What about uh, our other regular segments, the interview and... Nobody cares about the old world rubbish, David. This broadcast is about the here and now. First up, it's today's topic, spirituality. Yay! My name is Shan Niwiri, and I'm still here. I am still of this world, whatever it once was and is now. I don't get out much anymore, so I'm not sure if you still have organised faith or organised anything. Do you still have religion? When and where I come from, there was a particularly dreary one called being Catholic. My family were different than most others in that we didn't believe and we didn't pretend to. We didn't go to church every Sunday to eat dead people disguised as wafers or to drink blood disguised as wine. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And yet, I feel that there are things I missed out on. Not the wafery transubstantiation, but the ceremony involved, the songs, the general opportunity that religion gives you to dress like a wizard or a cloud. I sometimes wondered what it felt like to be truly believing the same thing as a group of people at the same time. I longed for something communal but secular and profound. I was 16 when I got my first tattoo. I designed a picture of an owl and I went to a completely random parlour with my mum and sister. When the tattoo was finished and I first looked at it in the mirror, I knew that none of us had done a good job. It didn't really look like an owl, and if you managed to make out where the eyes were, they looked squinty. The lines were too thick. My owl looked too thick. But I was the first of my friends to get one, and I loved it. It proved I was brave, because I had said forever first. But I didn't rush to get another. I knew I only had one botched owl in me, and that anything else had to be the real deal. So I grew. I emigrated. I went to drama school. I grieved the loss of loved ones. I travelled. I simply thought about other things. Eventually, five years later, I decided on my second tattoo, a stone carving from a megalithic grave called Nauth. The design is made up of those patterns that reoccur in every primitive culture in the world. Concentric circles, spirals, hatched lines, dots, zigzags, jagged semicircles. The same patterns appear separated geographically by tens of thousands of miles. And if you want to know why, just stare at the sun or close your eyes and with your thumb and forefinger, put pressure on your eyelids. Walk from a blindingly bright place into the darkness of shadows. What do you see? What is bouncing off your eyelid, oscillating, pulsing maybe? These pictures are entoptic phenomena, entoptic being of the eye. It's sort of like seeing the inside of your eyeball and the shapes that your eye shows you are concentric circles, spirals, hatched lines, zigzags, semicircles. These shapes are essential. They are biologically wired into us. Early humans saw them, recognised them and even actively sought them out. 
the strange sensations and visions that sprang from the brain during altered states of consciousness. And they drummed, danced, smoked, ate mushrooms, whirled like dervishes, hyperventilated and sang themselves into trance. Humans explored many pathways to neurologically induced visions and raptures. And after discovering this, I only ever wanted to be tattooed like a rock in the aesthetic of the Neolithic mind. I had found a palette that was humanist, universal, acultural and impartial, and I wanted to take it into my skin. I decided I would be tattooed ritually in front of an audience. It's fair to say of nearly any ancient tattooing culture that the doing is the most sacred component, not the seeing after. It is about the commitment, the becoming inscribed. Old tattooing, spiritual tattooing, was often communal, often ritualized. And as a theatre maker with no gods, the audience is the only congregation I understand anyway. So I bought my own tattoo kit, learned how to use it safely, but without any finesse. I thought about what I loved, and I decided that I would no longer wait for people to die to commemorate them on my skin. I would ask them to tattoo me themselves. We would light candles, spit ink, draw animal eyes, whatever it took to create the ceremony, a ceremony that would be ours, not borrowed from a church or a tradition or a tribe, but ours. And it would be profound because it was permanent and we were saying forever, viscerally, once. This is how the first ritual came to be on a rainy day in Manchester with four best friends and a public audience of mostly strangers. Jemima's handprint on my left leg where she had just minutes before touched my skin, a real live touch, was tattooed roughly like a scar and it looks just like the handprints on the Chauvet cave. Watching the ritual had a profound effect on one audience member who cried for 15 minutes solid afterwards, my mum. I invited her to tattoo me as well, and she said yes. We talked for hours about our lives, about being a child and a parent, about being women from different generations, different countries, and of different sexualities. She is a ceramicist, and because of this, objects became incredibly important in our ceremony. She handmade 70 sculptures out of porcelain, cone shapes of different sizes, and she fired them in a wood chip kiln, which she built herself. A method of marking porcelain black with smoke called naked raku firing. They emerged from the fire looking like marble. We performed amongst them for another audience of friends and strangers. We told our stories, played animations. We signed a contract. We had a tea ceremony. Vicky tattooed a cone onto the knuckle of my left ring finger. And even now, I find the whole thing every bit of it, very hard to describe. I don't know if it was profound to watch, but it was certainly profound for me. It was certainly honest, defiant. It set something real in motion between us. And unlike being Catholic that has a one-size-fits-all approach to dignity, even if it was shit, it was our kind of shit. It was wholesome and subversive. It made us laugh, and that has to count for something. The knuckle tattoo is even worse than the squinty owl, by the way. 
my mum squirted the disinfectant into her eye during the performance. So she did the tattooing bit of the show half blind, weeping involuntarily and laughing. It was something like divine intervention. You're listening to The Bunker with Tom, David and David. Hello. Three wise men who come bearing gifts of laughter, ha, learning, mm, and love. We may be stuck down here underground in the shabby old bunker, but in spirit, we're with you, dear listener. Oh, that's very touching, Tom. I'm sure the wastelanders struggling to survive out there in the blistering, barren landscape above us really appreciate the sentiment. You know, I was actually going through some of our old junk this morning. Marvelling at the relics of the past that adorn our ancient tomb. Take a look at these. Are those letters? Yes, Dave. Letters from the 23rd century. And they're addressed to... Oh. David. Oh, really? Really. Isn't that interesting? David has held on to them all this time. Are you alright, David? You, uh, you look like you've seen a ghost. Okay, Tom. You've had your fun. I suppose, in a way, these letters are like ghosts. They are fragments of your past. The last whispers of the dead. I wonder what they say. Give them to me. I might just hold on to them, actually. They could come in useful. <laughs> so, listeners, now it's time for some edutainment. Entertaining education or educational entertainment. Take your pick. But first, a message from our sponsors. For nearly two decades, Jefferson Jones has wielded his widely syndicated talk show as a bullhorn. The Apocalypse is Coming, brought to you courtesy of the Banksters, the Bilderbergs, the world's nefarious elite. The second term of President Barry Satoro ushers in a mysterious eclipse, followed by reports of demon sightings and brutal decapitations. On November 7th, 2012, Jefferson Jones's predictions finally come to pass. Jones covers the unfolding carnage, and the nation's pundits cover him. He relishes the attention, but is it too little, too late? Live from the Apocalypse is a dark, political satire set in the era of hysterical pundits, absurd politicians, and conspiracy theories so crazy they just might be true. It was praised by Colorado Book Award winner David Keplinger as one of the strangest, funniest, most surreal novels he's ever read and by contributor to the Paris Review and Harper's Magazine, Gretchen Marquette, for the way it handles media, politics, and the prepper sensibility. Andrew Cruz's Live from the Apocalypse is available for Kindle and on paper from the electronic commerce company Amazon. Ernest Hemingway was once heard to quip, poor Faulkner, does he really think big emotions come from big words? He thinks I don't know the ten dollar words, I know them all right, but there are older and simpler and better words, and those are the ones I use. But what does he mean by this? His statement has its roots in the history of the English language. The English are renowned buccaneers, invaders and thieves. But their depredations weren't limited to the physical objects they placed in museums. They took words just as readily. Papaya from the Americans, pajamas from the Indians and robots from the Czechs. But before the English were invaders, they were invaded. 
the language of the German tribes who came after the Romans and displaced the Celts, formed the basis of what we call Old English. The Old English dialects could readily accommodate words brought across by Scandinavian settlers like am and nudge and die because the languages shared the same Germanic roots. Then the French came and the ruling class became French speakers amongst Anglophone subjects. Each side unwilling to adopt a new tongue. Over a couple of centuries, the language expanded to accommodate a two-tier vocabulary system. The peasants dreamt of eating cow, whilst the nobility dined on beef. Serfs might refer to themselves as folks, while the nobles were citizens. Words of French origin have classy connotations. They are often polysyllabic and usually formal. Latin came in later, not from the ancient Romans, who were all dead by this time, but from the Renaissance scholars. Latin, along with Greek, became the third tier of the English vocabulary, the language of science and intellectual study, of invention, as well as the language of the elegant intelligentsia, Thus, the proles talk of newness, whilst the scholars talk of novelty. Those who know the $10 words choose between because of this and ergo. And where would we be without television, microphones, philosophy or chemicals? But what of power? What of simplicity? Aren't the more formal, more learned words the best? Well, try this for effect. Using something like a cheese grater, he began to excoriate his foot. Those of us who aren't doctors might imagine a pedicure. Compare this with the inescapable, visceral understanding of this. Using something like a cheese grater, he ripped the skin off his foot. The old words carry the power. There is no detachment in their meaning, only brutal, simple clarity. Accuse someone in Parliament of being deceptive, and you may be frowned upon. Call them a liar, and you'll be formally rebuked. The lying politician, if caught, might manage to apologise from the ancient Greek. But he'll never say the older, simpler and better word. Sorry. If that ever happened, they'd make a song and dance of it. But they'd probably be too excited to compose a chorale or an aria. Ugh, I hate what the infantry thinks six in the morning should be like. We have our orders, Spencer. What I can't understand is the difference in detail. Not this again. I mean, look at the trees. The foliage. Listen to the wildlife. Even the rotting meat tastes like rotting meat. If they're going to put so much detail into a training simulation, why would the programmers put so little detail into the NPCs? I mean, look at those humans down there. They're so unrealistic. Can't you just be grateful to see some wildlife that doesn't have claws? Those natives, how would you describe them? Like savages, yeah? They look exactly the same as the football fans we saw yesterday. And they sound the same too. All face paint and babble about giant gods. It's the same basic model. 
Maybe the program has run out of money? That's insubordinate talk, Private. With the military, we never run out of money. And why would they waste time animating tiny details nobody will even notice? Like that ten-foot centipede over there. We have our orders. That is not a reason why, James. What do you think the final boss will be? There will be a final boss, right? Oh, for God's sake, James. What a stupid question. Of course there'll be a final boss. I'm going to be the one who takes it down, whatever it is. I got a distinction in the shooting gallery. That's because you cheated. No, I didn't. There was nothing in the rules that said I couldn't damage the structural integrity of the floor. Did you even hit one target? Didn't need to. They all just fell into oblivion. It was poetic, really. Sir, how long has that light been blinking on your radio? Enough distractions. We have our orders. That red light there, sir. Oh. I don't know. Isn't communication your job? It looks like a message. Press that button there. Hi, gang. This is Mars Corp to planet Earth. Yeah, it's us, your friendly red celestial neighbor. How's everything going over there? Working hard or hardly working? <laughs> so, anyway, we're just calling for a situation report. A site rep, if you will. We know how you military types don't like long words. <laughs> so, you know, just call us back when you've got a moment, and that's an order. <laughs> Seriously, though, no big deal. Just wondering how Earth's been the last few hundred years. We assume it's fine. Obviously, you guys know what you're doing. We're not questioning your competence. So, yeah, get back to us. Okay, bye. My God, they're furious. The nearest transmitter station is on the other side of that giant chasm. What? The one that seems to split the very planet in... Sir, movement. Something's climbing down that ravine over there. Looks like a... a teenage girl? Is she wearing a suit? Must be a glitch, right? Should we investigate? No, it's none of our business. Let's get moving. We have a new mission. Hey, Dave, what's cooking? Oh, nothing much. Just taking my headache pills. Dave, 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 my friend. You shouldn't be poisoning your body with these dangerous old world drugs. Come on, let me brew you up some authentic wasteland shrub tea and then we'll go and cover our bodies with crystals to absorb all that negative energy. You'll feel better in no time. Um, no thanks. I'd rather just use actual medicine. Your faith in science will be your downfall, Dave. For you see, there is more to this world than meets the eye. No, there isn't. Oh, Dave, you're so naive. Do not forget that I have actually left the bunker. I've ventured far. I've seen many strange things, ancient technologies, new cultures, terrible creatures. So, trust me when I say that there is so much more than the drab, monochrome world that you call life. There are other worlds in these, Dave. Other realms. There is some power. Some energy. Hidden in the ether. Nah. Even David believes. His god is Almighty Coke, saviour of humankind and distributor of carbonated beverages. I mean, being David, he has of course chosen the wrong religion. But at least it's something. What do you believe in, Dave? Um, nothing really. I just... I don't understand how you can be so contented in your ignorance. Well, I appreciate your concern, Tom. And you're so smug about it. You're like a pig wallowing in filth, lacking true sentience. Okay. I know what I'm saying seems harsh. 
but only once your eyes have been opened will you have the spirit and the power to embrace the new world. Until then, this bunker is your world, my friend. And although its many angles and spaces seem reassuringly structured, this place will eat away at your mind until, one day, there will be nothing left. Right. I'm glad we've had this little chat. Now then, time for... Guys! Oh, hi, David. Guys, listen. I thought Dave and I were doing this segue, David. Uh, we were just about to play some nice music. I'm afraid that we'll have to wait, Tom. But, um... We've got breaking news. Our old enemies, the Dionysus Theatre Group, have been sighted making some rather dangerous friends across the chasm. Not the mercenaries again! No, I, I think this might be something much worse. Teenage news reporter Emma Sterling is on the scene. Over to you, Emma. Thanks, David. I'm standing upon red, clay-rich soil inside a jagged ravine that is festooned with strange, spiky vegetation. This terrain is characteristic of the Badland, a vast stretch of arduous canyons and dense, hostile forests made up of cacti, brambles and gargantuan pitchers, cruel, carnivorous plants that lure dim-witted travellers to their sticky doom. While the wasteland on your side of the chasm is well known for its charming, arid expanse of hot black sand and general lack of life, the badland on this side of the chasm is shrouded in a thick mist and obnoxiously overpopulated with swarming bugs, birds, beasts and bandits. And then, of course, there's the natives, a barbaric race who call themselves the Humboldt. They are thought to be the descendants of a tribe of biochemists, but there is nothing empirical about the Humboldt now. They are a crude, bestial people, armed with bone weapons and naked, save for their demonic masks and elaborate headdresses. I have heard many tales of these wandering savages, how they travel across the landscape, following in the wake of the dinosaur god, a huge mythical beast that supposedly walks the earth, hidden in the mist, blindly searching for the big water. The humble believe that this dinosaur god is real. Their lives are spent chasing after it, only ever stopping to make primitive camps in great craters. Supposedly, this dinosaur god is in a perpetual search for the sea. Should it ever find it, the beast will apparently swim to the promised land, with the humbled clinging to its back like barnacles. All nonsense, of course. They're probably just chasing oddly shaped clouds, but it is this faith that binds these natives together. And it's these savages the Dionysus Theatre Group have befriended. Well, no one can truly befriend the humbled, but the Theatre Group, now down to only 15 members, have indeed made offerings of lizard meat and wood which have been well received. From my high vantage point in the foliage, I can see a huge crater where the natives are sharing a banquet of oddly shaped fruit with the Dionysus tribe. Meanwhile, many of the humbled work tirelessly to build great wooden pillars which, apparently, they carry around like bannermen. Well, this all sounds fairly ominous. Be careful out there, Emma. You really don't need to worry about me, David. Yeah, I I know. I, I just mean... I'm a professional. Just let me do my job. Right, sure. Well... Thanks, Emma. We'll talk to you again a bit later. Uh, Now it's time for some nice music. Hold on a second, David. Uh, Looks like we've got another caller on the line. It's gardening expert Marisha Trembetska. But... Yes, we're certainly lucky to have her. Marisha, I understand today is a very important day for you. Is that right?
It is an important day for us all here in the Bubble Top. Today we give thanks to the earth for providing us with all we need to flourish. It is really not necessary to consume the filthy meat of other animals. Everything you need is right here. It grows from the earth. The earth. Can you not hear it? Put your head upon the ground and listen. It sings to us. It tells us secrets. It gives us life. Uh, right, so there's a bit of a party atmosphere in the dome today. Yes, indeed. Just listen to the people soak up their merriment. Today is a good day. <laughs> Daisy, my dear, why don't you tell the bunker how happy you are? Oh, um, yes, I'm very happy. Everyone is having such a lovely time. <laughs> and where is Rose? I think she's talking to Gideon. Daisy, why must you continue to disappoint me? Did I not specifically tell you to look after Rose today? Oh, I am... Get out of my way, you silly girl. Sorry. You know, this might be the carrot juice talking, but... I have noticed Trimbetska is a tad on the cruel side when it comes to you, Daisy. No. No, it's fine. It's my fault, really. Do you ever feel like, uh, I don't know, Rose gets it a little easier? Sometimes. And sometimes I feel sorry for her. Hmm. What an odd thing to say. I bought you these flowers. But the dome is full of flowers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are funny, Gideon. Funny in a good way? Of course. I like talking to you. Well, maybe we can do this again sometime. Talking, I mean. Oh, I wish I could. Why, why can't you? Rose. Come now, you must prepare yourself. The ceremony is about to begin. Yes, Alda Trombetska. Goodbye, Gideon. Uh, bye. You had better behave yourself during the ceremony, Gideon. Uh, right. Boss. Yes? I really don't think Trombetska likes us very much. You don't say. Shh, it's starting. Brothers and sisters, we are gathered here today to honour the Earth. Oh, great and powerful Earth, hear me. I thank you for your gift of life. I thank you for the fruits you bear, so that we need not stoop to the vulgarity of consuming meat. And all you ask for in return is care, love, and precious nutrients. Come forth, child. I am here. I am ready. Rose? Uh, Marisha? <laughs> What's going on? This is getting a bit weird. Oh, great earth. You offer us the flesh of your fruits, and in return I offer you this sacrifice. Wait, what? Lie down upon the 
upon the stone table, my child. It's, it's so cold. Hush, my lord. Soon your discomfort will be over. Yes, it is that time again. The annual sacrifice to appease the earth, to ensure our paradise flourishes, to ensure our way of life. No, Rose! Restrain the outsiders. Hey, get, get off! Don't fight! This is the way it has to be! Rose! Rose, you have been deemed worthy. Do you accept this gift? I, I, I don't... Excellent. Know that you will restore balance to our heaven. Know that the debt will be paid in blood. You crazy bastards! Damn you! Damn you! Thank you, Rose. And may us be with you. For God's sake, Tom, turn it off. Well, that was unpleasant. Listening to the bunker, and this is structure by Juniper, all the way from the 21st century. It's rather good, isn't it?
Yes, a very jolly tune indeed. You know, I feel privileged to share such wonderful, funky sounds with our listeners. And this song is perfect for a pool party, don't you think? <laughs> it would certainly raise the roof, as the old folks say. Now, of course, pools of water are far too precious to flounder about in with all your bits and pieces hanging out. But I do recommend turning up the volume on your radio and grooving in the sand or mud. It's the folks who aren't listening to the radio that I feel sorry for. Poor bastards. Well, Dave, you could always fix up our loudspeakers to roar out some hot tracks into the wasteland, although that would involve popping outside to set them up. Ooh, no thanks. We have loudspeakers? Ah, yes. At full blast, there are raucous 200 decibels. That's enough to kill a human. Anyway, coming up, we'll be hearing more from our news reporter, Emma Sterling, plus Mystic Martin, the archaeologist, and a brand new segment, Matters of Faith, with Father Prog Nellipot. Looking forward to that. Yes. Wahoo! But first, we've just been going through some of your letters. Yes, the carrier birds have arrived with plenty of fresh posts to get stuck into. Nothing puts a smile on my face faster than these poorly written messages of misery and survival in the wastes from you, our dear listeners. Catherine writes in to say, Hi guys, love the show. And from the old world, like you, during the big headache I took over a satellite station in Sector 15 and have since been holed up there with a stash of ammunition, Tanofra drugs and tin sausages. Well, it sounds like you're doing quite well for yourself, Catherine. Today is my 200th birthday and I was considering going outside for the first time in 100 years. You guys are at least twice my age. Am I just going through a phase, or is it time to fly the nest? What advice can you give me? Well, first of all, Catherine, and I cannot stress this enough, don't go outside. Yes, go outside, Catherine. Follow your dreams. Live your life. Tom, shut up. Stop giving terrible advice. Half your life you've lived inside, trapped by your own fears. Now is the time for the revolution, Catherine. The revolution of the mind and soul. Tom, if you don't stop. Ah, here's an interesting letter. David, dearest Muffin, it's me, your honey blossom. Give that to me. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, careful. You know how these old letters tear easily. And this one was sent from, oh, the 23rd century, David. Imagine that. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Those letters belong to David. Dearest Muffin, it's me, your honey blossom, just writing to say I love you. <laughs> and here, honey blossom has written love with a W. Man, she is really into you, Muffin. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> I miss you so much, and I'm as lonely as a horned owl. What? Uh, Tom, you should stop now. <laughs> Sorry to hear your work has been a bit bonkers at the mo. I wish I could fly back to London and cover you with kisses. <laughs> this is a bad idea. I adore you, my Muffin, and I wish you were tucked up in bed with a cup of tea and... David, no! Is that an iron pipe? David, that nearly hit me! Oh, right, you've made your point! I'll kill you! Stop, you're breaking everything! You smashed the toaster! Oh, no, the DVD player! Ruined! No, no, not the coffee machine! No! Oh, Dave, help me! He's choking me! David, come on. Let me go now, yeah? <coughs> oh, you're useless! Get! Oh, get off! Off! Off me! <gasps> what? What happened? Was that magic? Am I a wizard? No, I think you electrocuted David with that live wire. Oh. Is he alright? Uh. David? David, are you okay? 
You've been um, electrocuted a little bit. Please don't be angry. David? Huh. What? He's dead. No, he isn't. Yes. Yes, he is. He's dead, Tom. Oh. Let's, uh, let's cut to something. to the bunker with David and Tom. Uh, on the line is teenage news reporter Emma Sterling. Emma, how are you getting on? I'm doing well here, Dave. I'm well hidden by rocks and vegetation up on a ledge overseeing the savages' camp. Earlier, I encountered an unnecessarily aggressive ground sloth, but fortunately it stopped to drink sweet bubbles of water from the bright pink leaves of an immense pitcher plant and was promptly swallowed. The flora and fauna here really are fascinating. I particularly like... Wait, where's David? Uh, David's gone. He's dead! Oh my God! Yeah. (laughs) I killed him! What? No, you didn't. He didn't. It's not his fault. He's just blaming himself because they were fighting and Tom electrocuted David with a live wire. So it is Tom's fault? No, it was an accident. Emma, tell us what's going on with the theatre group and the natives. Well, the Dionysus Theatre Group has built a rudimentary stage in the massive crater where all the humbled are, are situated. 
and are about to perform a play. Let's spy on them, I guess. I'm telling you, I look ridiculous, Rebecca. Nonsense, Kevin. You look great. How am I supposed to move about in this absurd costume? You seem to have forgotten I was shot in the thigh last month by that psychotic radio host. All I can manage is a pathetic limp. You'll be fine. Anyway, you have one of the most important roles in the play. You are the bunker, the most evil of all the demons in the wasteland. That's my motivation, is it? I'm evil. Look, this doesn't have to be a masterpiece, does it? We just have to convince these savages that the bunker is bad and that they should help us destroy it. That's all the motivation you need. Now go on, break a leg. Right. Very amusing. So, as you can probably tell from that music, the production has started. The theatre group are mostly just twirling around on the stage, gesturing wildly at one another and to the audience. I think the point is that the bunker is evil. The humbled appear to be getting rather excited. They have begun to dance around in circles, shouting, chanting and openly masturbating. It sounds like they are calling to their dinosaur god. Let's get a closer look. Yes, it seems as though the Dionysus Theatre Group have made allies of the humbled. It turns out simply equating the bunker with an evil demon was enough to motivate these savages to call upon their mythical dino deity to destroy it. That being said, the humble don't look like much of a threat, just a bunch of religious dinosaur-fearing fanatics with far too much time on their hands. Okay, well, that's a relief. Thank you, Emma, we'll talk to you again. Wait, can you hear that? What? That sound, like thunder. Oh God, it's coming. What do you mean, it's coming? It's my punishment, Dave. It's retribution. I killed David, and now, now it's coming. What's coming? Not the... No. That's ridiculous, Tom. It doesn't exist. Right? Right. It's just... The air feels different all of a sudden. It's almost as if... As if... A storm! A thunderstorm! Oh, of course. Of course it's a storm! (laughs) For a second there, I was a little worried. Yes, just another thunderstorm. Water from the sky is very rare in the wasteland, but not totally uncommon in the badland. Hence, all the mist. Yes, now rain is falling from the sky like droplets of condensed atmospheric water vapour, splashing on the leaves of trees and foliage and soaking both the Humboldt and the theatre group down in their crater, which, now that I think about it, kind of looks like a giant animal footprint. Ah, wait, what? Oh, God! The Humboldt have stopped chanting now. They are lifting up those big wooden pillars I mentioned earlier, 
brandishing them like spears. And on the tips of these spears, there are huge lumps of marinated lizard flesh, like meatballs on the end of a fork. They are remarkably pungent. I can smell them from here. The humbled are starting to run, as if the thunderstorm is chasing them. And through the mist, there are shapes, huge rolling clouds, perhaps, moving in the direction of the savages, as if enticed by the smell of the meat. The clouds are growing denser, darker. It's as if that's impossible. What is it? Out of the fog, a shape is looming, some huge, inconceivable thing that smashes rocks to dust and trees to splinters. It's... wow! It's like an electricity pylon! Are you telling us that thing is the size of an electricity pylon? No! No, just one of its legs! Uh. Of which there are at least four. Even from my vantage point, they tower above me. The underbody of the creature is hidden by the mist and the rain, but it is clearly following the humble following that pungent lizard meat, and the humbled are running, shouting, singing, running, south, towards the chasm, towards the wasteland, towards the bunker, with the dinosaur god in their wake. Good luck, guys. Uh, right... Greetings, Earthlings. I am Martin the Deciduous. It is September, and I have bad news for all you Libras. The scales shall fall from your eyes this month, as you realize that life in the wasteland is anything but balanced. Your time on this Earth will be nothing but hardship and turmoil. It's not your fault, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I just thought you ought to know. I would just like to add that I have a stall in the Nomad Market, where I offer one-on-one wisdom for a small fee. I'm also putting on a series of theatre productions, a daring mix of drama and tragedy, but with all the pomp and spectacle of classical theatre, or as we call it, pantomime. My latest production is called I Am Dog, and follows the adventures of a canine survivor of the apocalypse. I think it's going to be my best work yet. Unfortunately, all of my actors have abandoned me or died. So if you've got talent, you can find me in the Nomad Market, over the bridge in Sector 15. Cheerio, listeners! Look at him. Just lying there. Well, what else would he be doing? It's not right, is it? One moment, he was alive, and now, nothing. Just an empty shell. Yeah, I can't believe he's dead. And it's because of me! Tom, it's not your fault. Tell that to the dinosaur god! Oh wait, you can't, because its ears are up in space somewhere, and it's coming for us, Dave. It's gonna smash the bunker to pieces. Oh, the wrath of God shall be terrible to behold. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Shut up, it won't come to that. 
The creature, whatever it is, might be big, but it will never cross the chasm. It can't. It can't be that big. Uh, oh, uh, looks like uh, teenage news reporter Emma Sterling is on the line. Emma, are you tracking the beast's progress? Yes, I am, Dave. The dinosaur god has just crossed the chasm. Ah, uh, shit. The great land leviathan is now making its way through Sector 15. I can no longer see it, for it is obscured by the clouds of dust and glass that have erupted from the ruined skyscrapers the creature has torn through. Man, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do, Dave! This is the end! No, we can do something. We can leave the bunker, Tom. We can run. <laughs> Here's a bag. Fill it with as much tin peaches as you can. I'll pack everything else. We'll meet back here in three minutes. And then we run, Tom. You hear me? We run. This is it, Tom. There's no choice anymore. There's no debate. This is it. We're leaving the bunker. Are you ready? Tom? Hello? What are you doing? You haven't even moved. What's the point? What's the point? Tom, the point is that if we stay here, we'll be killed. I'm a cursed man wherever I go, Dave. I'm a murderer! What is the point of wandering the wasteland with the mark of Cain on my head? You can't give up, Tom. You can't. Actually, I think I can. And what about me? Are you just going to abandon me? You should go, Dave. Save yourself. You don't want me bringing you down, man. Damn it. I I only ask one thing. What? Help me finish the show, will you? For all time's sake. Sure. Why not? Great. So, who's up now? Uh, looks like it's the archaeologist with news from the dig site. Oh, Anyone else on the line? Nope, just him. Alright then. Hello, Ancients. It's great to be back on the show. I'm a big fan of you guys. A big fan. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, so have you found the Deus Ex Machina yet? Or, or perhaps a, a better use of your time? Sadly, the Deus Ex Machina, the ancient device that can restore our world to its former glory, continues to elude me. But I have invented a brilliant new strategy for excavating the site. Gertrude, light the fuse. Yes, sir. Everyone, get down. Perfect. That's cleared away a lot of earth and rock. <laughs> we'll find that Deus Ex Machina in no time. So what else are you working on? Any exciting discoveries? Well, actually, we've just completed a survey of a number of very interesting sites that we believe were religious venues of some kind. Really? Did you find candles, the human skulls, and signed copies of When Doves Cry? Like in the churches of the Purple Prophet? No, my friend. This is an ancient religion, long since forgotten. What we have found are dozens and dozens of structures that we believe were once places of worship. There is a uniformity to their layout, and in some, we found 
Chinatown offerings of coins and food. These temples largely occur in the middle of residential areas, so clearly they were focal points for the community. Some of the sites are of incredible size, with very high ceilings. From what I've seen, this religion appears to have a reverence for a higher power, known by a sacred, one-word name, and followers would often chant mantras as a form of worship. Can you be any more specific? As a matter of fact, I can, Tom. Thanks to several ancient scrolls and some excellent branding, we have determined that the followers of this religion worship the deity known as Tisco, believing it would provide them with material goods such as food, clothing, medicine, and car insurance. Car insurance? Certain chants would bring them closer to their gods, such as Every little helps, every little helps, buy one, get one free, every little helps. Kind of catchy, don't you think? They also tied huge amounts of their earnings to appease Tisco. And did this work? Was the religion of Tisco one of peace? Like many, it was at first. But as its power and resources grew, so did its need to secure and protect its position. According to these scrolls, Tisco is the main belligerent in something called the Value Wars. A religious crusade that solved the destruction of many Tisco temples. Fascinating stuff. Sir, more explosives are ready. Where should we put them? Put them over there, on that peak mountain of... what are those things? It says they're fireworks, sir. Judging by the brightly coloured packaging, I'd guess they're old world children's toys. Great, put the explosive there. Nobody cares about children's toys. All set. Excellent. I love this new method of digging. Like the fuse, Gertrude. In no way is this a bad idea. We'll catch up with the archaeologist again next. Wait, what am I saying? This is madness, Tom! We have to get out of here! What? And miss out on this great new music? I don't think so!
Gideon. Move! Those crazy bastards could still be after us. We, we didn't exactly leave on good terms. I can't, boss. <coughs> I've been punctured. No, 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 no. Get up, you idiot. Get up. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. You have a knife in you. Is it bad? It's a knife, Gideon. So, yeah, it's quite bad. I think this might be it for me, boss. I can feel the darkness coming. Black tentacles crawling inside my head. <coughs> They're going to swallow me up. <coughs> I'm going to die and be dead. I'm, I'm going into the infinite. Do you think Rose will be there? You're not going to die, Gideon. Trust me. When have, when have you ever been right about anything? I guess never. You're the smart one, boss. That's right. And I'm telling you, you're going to be fine. Well, that's a relief. Gideon? Gideon? Don't, don't, don't die when I'm talking to you. It's very rude. Your friend is dead. Yes. Tell us a bit about how you're feeling. Wait, wait what? I, I, interview what? Uh, what? What the hell are you doing here? He's with us. And you are? My name's Katie. This is Nala. Hello. Hello. And that fella behind you is Mr. Cuddles. Hello. Hello. We're on a quest. Great. Good for you. Um, don't let, uh, don't let me keep you. All right, then. Come on, guys, we need to... What was that? Just thunder, Nala. There are storms on this side at Chasm. That was not thunder, Katie. That was... Adam, it was thunder. As you wish. Right, let's, uh, let's move. We've got a long way to go to mercenary camp. John Day is a musician. Yes? He joins me today to help Katie on her quest to find herself and kill a lot of people along the way. Uh, no. Nah, no, no, I don't think so. I'm just going to sit here, actually. Why don't you want to join us, Jonathan? Come on, I said, let's go. We don't need this guy, Adam. Jonathan, you taught me about dreams. Do you remember? I have a dream now, Jonathan. A real one. I dream that one day... I will have a dream. Well, that's depressing. What will make you happy, Jonathan? Solitude. Huh. If you ask me, it looks like what you really need is a distraction. But anyway, we're going now. Wait! Huh? God, you're... You're, you're absolutely right! You crazy, beautiful savage! You're bloody right! Oh, yeah? I need a distraction! Yes! Something to keep me moving, so I don't think about the deterioration of my mind. As long as I keep moving, so long as I keep doing things, then I'm still technically a person. Right? You're kind of weird, aren't you? You remind me of some guys I know. Is it really that weird to dedicate your life to the deception of the self? Yes. I will join you on your quest, milady. 
And perhaps along the way I will find something to fill the black void between my ears. Let us away. All right. Great. This new development fills me with ecstatic joy. Yeah, yeah. It's Rebecca here, leader of the Dionysus Theatre Group. And Kevin. Love the show, boys. It's a real shame it'll be ending soon. But we're looking forward to the big finish. I hear the climax is going to be earth-shattering. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Rebecca. Unfortunately, we won't get to see all the action. We're still back in the Badland, all the way across the chasm. Nothing much to do here but bathe in this tropical hot spring and drink fermented sugarcane juice from coconut shells. <sighs> ah, well. These savages know how to have a good time. Oh. I have to say, Rebecca, crossing that chasm was the best thing we ever did. Totally. Ah, oh, the Badland is great. I am so relaxed right now. It's just you, me... Thirteen other people and hundreds of small reptiles chilling in a hot spring, listening to the radio. Bliss. And best of all, we get to listen live as our enemies are smashed to pieces by a giant monster. Who could ask for more? <laughs> You're listening to The Bunker, the wasteland's best and only remaining radio station. And now, I'm finally ready. Yes, this is it. I've put it off for far too long, my dear listeners. Now it is time to call Callo! Tom, listen to me. I can see the dinosaur god on the radar now. It's close. It's very close. We have to leave, Tom. Stop trying to distract yourself and face reality. We have to get out of here. Hold on a hot second there, Dave. We've got our faithful brave courier on the line who is currently making his way to the bunker with our supply of custard creams. Hello, are you there? Tom, this is insane. Hello, David. David and Tom. Uh, it's just one David and Tom now. Anyway, how are you getting on? Sounds like you're really moving. No doubt, speeding towards the bunker, filled with a serene calm. Far from it, good sir. We have in fact encountered something truly alarming. Ah, it's horrible! Oh, please, Miguel. I wish I could say my cowardly companion was overreacting as usual, but I confess I share his terror. Although I have the composure not to embarrass myself live on air. Oh, the horror! The horror! It can't be! It can't be! This is some sort of psychological terror you're facing, right? Something intangible. Intangible? You can hardly bloody avoid it! It's as tall as the sky in those legs! Oh my god, they're so huge! And the skin is like a fractured cliff face! It's a monster, I tell you! It's like half dinosaur and half god! It doesn't ring any bells. For the love of Prince Tom, listen to yourself. Uh, Callow, you're a brave sort. Good with the old uh, fighting and slaying and that. You could say that. Uh, and you'd do anything to satisfy a customer, correct? Yes, of course. Anything short of needlessly throwing away my life, I am yours to command. Could you, uh, say, uh, 
engage that monster in combat. <laughs> Callow? Gentle lord, your hilarious joke has lifted my spirits. To think that a mortal would stand any hope against that thing? Absurd. So absurd. <laughs> so that's a no. <laughs> I am simply thankful that it is not actively trying to kill me. To it, Miguel and I are but ants, scuttling in the dirt. But mark my words, I am close now to the bunker. You shall have your biscuit soon. Until then, farewell. Right. Well, that was great news. The biscuits are almost here. Coming up in a bit, we've got... For crying out loud, Tom, snap out of it. Oh! Why did you... Oh. Are you back? Or should I hit you again? No, no. I'm back. You were quite right to hit me with that waffle iron, Dave. I was hysterical. So, shall we go? We won't get far. But we can try. We can hope, damn it! I don't know. I don't know. I still feel like... Like I'm cursed. Like I can't outrun the dinosaur god because... A. I'm a marked man and... B. The dinosaur god is a... FUCKING DINOSAUR GOD! How do you outrun something like that? You can't! Well, maybe we can fight it... somehow. Fight it?! The dinosaur god! The thing that has legs like electricity pylons! The thing that casually brushes aside skyscrapers as it stomps through the waistline leaving crater-sized footprints! How does one fight that thing, Dave? Alright, alright. No, really, Dave! Tell me! Are you as tall as a mountain? Is the sound of your voice like an exploding volcano? No. But... it could be. What do you mean? Tom. The loudspeakers. I could turn them on. I could use them to amplify my voice so that I'm as loud as the dinosaur god. It's a long shot, but maybe I can confuse it or scare it away. Ah, I see. You've finally gone mad. I was wondering how long it would take. Come now, take a seat. Join me in my mental breakdown. Don't you feel better already? No, Tom. I'm going to save us. Don't go out there, Dave. Don't look death in the face. Stay in here with me. Our little lives will be snuffed out like candles in a wind tunnel. We'll never see it coming. No thanks, old friend. I've lived in the darkness for 114 years. If I die today, it'll be in the light. Okay, speakers, speakers. Damn this sandstorm, I can't see anything. Hmm. Where could they be? Maybe behind this giant industrial fan thing. Oh, hang on a sec. That's it. That's the speaker. And there's another one. Great. Now I just have to get them working. Hello? This is the bunker, the wasteland's hottest frequency. Hey, dear. How's it going, man? Katie, it's good to hear your voice again. Cool. So, I was just listening to the show and... What's happening? What is this dinosaur god thing? Oh, it, it's nothing. 
Nothing to worry about, really. Really? Nothing? Because it sounded like a giant monster that is on its way to destroy Bunker and kill you all. Yeah. I don't get it. Aren't you scared? No. Why not? Because I'm going to stop it. (laughs) You are going to stop the dinosaur god? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Dave, you sound different to how I remember you. People change. Eventually. Yeah, I guess so. Katie, when this is over, would you like to go out with me? Go out where? On a date. What's a date? Uh... Damn it, um... I I don't know how to explain the concept to you without it sounding creepy. Okay. Damn it. Um, well, maybe we could meet up, just have sex, and then take it from there. All right. Okay, that should do it. Uh, Katie, I'm going to have to call you back. Why? What's up? Well, the dinosaur god is behind me. Oh. I'm turning around now. Yes. That's the dinosaur god, all right. What does it look like? Um, it's... It's big. This is the bunker. This was the bunker. And now it's the end of the show. There's just enough time for our final guest... It's Father Prognelopot with our all-new Matters of Faith segment. Hello, Father. Hello, Thomas. I trust you're well. Um, no, not really. Actually, I could use some spiritual guidance. Oh, well, you've come to the right man. Allow me to unburden you of your fear and doubt, my child. Yes, great. Please, please do. Please say things that will make me feel better about... You know... Dying soon. All right, then. It has now been a mere 200 years since the eminent psychologist, renowned journalist, and Pulitzer Prize winner Angenta Hembella Mumbobo OBE made a somewhat flippant, though intriguing, remark about the Prince Regent of Hamburg's hemline to his ceremonial kilt when sportingly displayed one humid summer's eve at the reenactment of the opening ceremony to the 1896 New Zealand Winter Olympic Games. Metaphysically speaking, the public outcry, an ensuing media frenzy, accompanying this mere afterthought of a quote, was astonishing to the point of infinity. The capacity for not only a nation or even a continent, but in fact, For that mere moment in time, the voice of a whole civilization to reach out as one collective thought via the socializing media outlets of Snapchat, WhatsApp, and Photal Frontal was astonishing to historians, politicians, and celebrity television chefs alike. When exploring this momentarily Everestine blip of cohesive awareness on that rather mundane plateau of self-induced begrudging conformity, otherwise known as the here and now, I am led to believe that this is not some sort of divine justice cast against a foolhardy, overambitious, south-end-based seamstress who tried to better herself through open university courses and multiple marriages, but 
is merely in fact the awakening of a new era of inspired and surprisingly perky secular acolytes. Embracing a new idea, be it scientific, televisual, devotional, or, in this case, whether the hemline of a tartan relief should be above or below the kneecap, means, to me at least, that the mere self-preoccupation and over-idealization of the super-id is now fast becoming a thing of the past for us all, and that we are now moving to a more enlightened, open, and, above all else, compassionate era of spiritual evolution and synaptic augmentation. So, finally, genteel listener, I thank you for letting me share this morality tale with you, and, until next time, I am sure you will all join me in praise to our great Godhead, the overseeing eye of consciousness's left-handed wife as she brings forth a divine and fruitful harmony and luster to our ever-shallow and heartless lives. Praise be! Praise be! Praise be! Uh, right... Yeah, I heard you the first time. Hello, this is the bunker, the wasteland's coolest broadcast. Incredible, isn't it? A thing of majesty and great power. Yeah, it's big. I already made that observation. In a moment, I shall give the command. The humbled will entice the dinosaur god forward, and you and your bunker will be trampled to dust. Yeah. That's one way it could go. Hey! Dinosaur God! Back off! I am Dave! I am big and I am scary! And this is my home! So scram! What's he doing? What is this trickery? Attack! Kill them! Destroy the bunker! Hear me, Dinosaur God! You suck! You're late! You're a big stupid loser! You're pathetic! Get out of here! Stop embarrassing yourself, loser! Get out of here! 
arrive here. You know, welcome in the wasteland. This is my territory. Piss off, you wanker. And away it goes. With uncanny speed, tail between its legs, back to the safety of the familiar across the chasm, the dinosaur god has been vanquished. And alone in the wasteland, his hair blowing in the wind, his shirt ripped to expose his muscles and chest, stands Dave, conqueror of gods. The bunker remains intact, and it looks like I still have a vacation. Emma Sterling, The Bunker News. that monster went loco, the savages turned on us. I... I think we might be the only two left. We have to get out of the Badland. We're clearly not welcome here anymore. This is a nightmare. The bunker has defeated us again. And it's turned our people against us again. I mean... How? How do they do it? We're not finished, are we? Aren't we? They vanquished the dinosaur god, Kevin. The dinosaur god! We can't give up, Rebecca. Those radio hosts, they are devils. I see that now, and we must destroy them. Oh, Kevin. You really get me, you know? Yes. We're a good team. Listen, Rebecca. I'm a religious man. I believe God is on our side. It doesn't feel that way, Kevin. We are being tested. That's what all this is about. But don't lose faith. We've shown our worth, Rebecca, and we're long overdue a win. Yes. It's time for a comeback. But first, water. I need water. Here. On this plant thing, see? Ah, yes. Incredible. There are bubbles of water all along these bright pink leaves. It's as if... (laughs) It's as if God put this plant here for us. Is it good? Mmm. Yes. It's sweet and sticky, like syrup. You're right, Kevin. This must be a sign from the Creator. For why else would a plant offer us such nourishing and delicious nectar? Wow. It's amazing. Our luck is finally changing. Oh. Hang on a second. It's so sticky. I can't seem to pull my hands away. Ah. Neither can I. My hands are stuck to the leaf. I can't move. (laughs) Very odd. Very odd indeed. Rebecca! 
just another temporary setback, Kevin. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. You, you saved the bunker. Yeah. But why didn't you just run away? I don't know. I wanted to, but I couldn't just abandon Tom. It's hard to know who you are when you live underground for a hundred years, separated from the rest of the world. But I guess I'm the kind of person who doesn't abandon his friends. That's good, isn't it? Depends on the context. Doesn't everything? Yes. You know, I've just realized we've never invited you into the bunker, Emma. Would you like to come in? For a cup of tea? No. No, thank you. Why not? David died in there. Oh, yeah. Damn it. You're listening to the... Bunker. Hi, Tom. Hi, Dave. Is is it over? Did you save the day? Uh, yes, I guess I did. Whoa. Yeah. So, what do we do now? I, I don't know. I guess we just try to move on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> What's up? You're dead! No, I'm not. You died. Tom killed you. Hey, you said that was an accident. <laughs> Let's not split hairs. The point is, David is dead. I'm right here. No. I checked your body. You're definitely dead. Well, I feel much better now in any case. <sighs> is it time for my final thought? No, David... Um, I feel like you're not getting this. You're dead. We grieved for you, man. Ah. This is not possible. Nothing is not possible, Dave. Look, it's probably just the drugs, right? We all should be dead, technically. But our extensive supply of old world youth bills keep us alive. God. I've never thought about that. We're all zombies or something. We should have died long ago. Well, we didn't. And I'm not dead now. So let me do my final thought, okay? Okay. David. Tom. I'm sorry for being a bit of a bastard earlier. Reading your letters and all that, I guess I just went mad with power? (laughs) No harm done. You literally died! I really am sorry, David. Honestly, Tom, it's cool. Can you forgive me? There's nothing to forgive. I just... I had assumed you had no feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I could say and do anything, Mm. and it wouldn't really matter to you because... You're just a husk of a man. Some kind of uncanny automaton, only imitating human emotions. So it's crazy to think that you could ever really love someone, you know, because, I mean, you're generally so awful. Stop talking, Tom. Right. For some reason, humans love to get down on their knees. We have a universal submission fetish, a desire to be praised and punished for our actions. 
Of course, like other animals, we're hardwired to look for patterns in everything. The world doesn't always make as much sense as we'd like, so we fill in the gaps to put our minds at ease. This explains ghosts, fairies, conspiracy theories, and Father Christmas. But why deities? Why this need for an all-knowing, all-judging master to tut loudly and smack our collective bottoms? Monsters, too, have been with us from the start, permeating the history of mythology of humankind. The ogres and the bogeymen have always haunted nursery rhymes and fables, seeping into the palpable brains of children at bedtime, inducing nightmares which further fuel the fire. But monsters allow us to gaze into the abyss, to face our fears, our revulsions, our secret desires. What do the gods provide? A set of rules? When religions get organized, things can get creepy. Degradation and humiliation is often celebrated while freedom and rebellion is cursed. But rules build stability. It makes sense to forbid murder. Killing your neighbor is counterproductive. If we could all get along, life would be a lot less unpleasant. Places of worship often become havens. Your fellow followers become your friends. You belong not just to God, but to a community. That's a nice feeling. Religion is the cause of a lot of suffering in the world, but it also provides a lot of happiness. It's like alcohol. Ultimately, if suffering ensues, it is the fault of the drinker, not the drink. My God looks out for me. And he should. He made me after all. He's not going to get any special praise for his basic parenting skills. But I'll do as I'm told, within reason, and begrudgingly admit to appreciating him now and again. was The Bunker, Nothing Is Not Possible, hosted by David Knight, David Price and Tom Dalling, starring Katie Turner, Matthew Woodcock, Emma Sterling, Joanne Wong, James Naylor, David Callow, Ben Keenan, Marisha Trembetska, Megan Rogers, Emily Edwards, Jonathan Day, George Pierce, Michael Keane, Helen Watkinson, Robert Hall, Daniel James, Caroline Spencer, Pippa Caddick, Rebecca Silverstein, Derek Elwood, Lee Yanchak and Molly Small. Today's topic was written and performed by Sean Nee Weary. The songs were Take Cover by The Amorettes and Your Troubles Lay by Seamus Carey. The music was by Juniper, Jonathan Day, Ben Osborne, Call Me Greenhorn and Tom Dalling. This episode was edited by Tom Dalling and written by David Knight, David Price, Maximilian John and Alex Mew. If you like The Bunker Podcast, please consider supporting its production by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. You can also visit our website, thebunkerpodcast.com, where you'll see rad posters, information about the people involved in the project, and a shop where you can buy limited edition t-shirts for £12 plus free delivery anywhere in the UK. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do so by either emailing thebunkerpodcast at gmail.com or building a great fire and dancing around it. Joining me today is Professor Adam Corswell, founder of Happiness Inc. Adam was born in 1994 and died earlier this year. Hello, Adam. 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 
Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Hello Adam. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.